Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Advent. That's the season that we're starting now, and this is actually the beginning of the church's church year. It signifies the coming of a king. And during this Advent season, we mark the coming of our king. Advent ends with the celebration of Jesus' first coming as a baby in a lowly manger. And it culminates with Christmas morning, the coming of our God into our skin. Advent also looks to the second coming of our King. The day when the Son of Man will be seen coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. This particular day will mean the full salvation of all of God's children who were born with water and the word and who live by faith. This day will also mean the judgment of all of those who have rejected God's salvation and chose to live under God's wrath. Until that day, we pray that God would use us to bring the saving gospel to all the earth. We wish that all people would know God's love and forgiveness in Christ and that no one would suffer his wrath. It is also our prayer that everyone that we share the gospel with would be brought to faith by the Holy Spirit. In preparation for that final day, St. Paul writes, Besides this, you know the time that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep, for salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. In our epistle lesson, Paul is writing to those who believe in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of their sins. That's his audience, Christians in the first century living in Rome. When he says that our salvation is near, he is talking about the second coming of our King, the final advent, that day when Jesus returns in glory. Now apparently the Christians that Paul was writing to had gotten a little lethargic in their beliefs. and They'd actually fallen back into some of their old sins. The devil was leading it some into false belief, despair, and other great shame and vice. And he warns them in reminder, he says, The night is far gone, the day is at hand. It means that Jesus is about to return. Paul says that as we wait for the coming of our king, let us cast off the works of darkness. Let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies or drunkenness, not in sexual immorality or sensuality, not in quarreling or jealousy. Now it seems as though Paul is no longer talking to Christians here. But he is. He's telling believers to stay away from things that tempt them. And you might be thinking, well, orgies, drunkenness, sexual immorality, quarreling and jealousy, 
He wouldn't tempt any true believer. Well, if you think that, you're, you're wrong. We are all tempted with the desires of the flesh. We are tempted with sexual desires. And when those fade, we start lusting after property, <coughs> possessions. These desires lead us to quarrel, compete, and be jealous of our fellow man. Yes, even you and I suffer from these sins. We suffer from them until our king's final advent. In the Lord's Prayer, we are taught to pray and lead us not into temptation. We confess that God tempts no one, but we pray in this petition that God would guard us and keep us so that the devil, the world, and yes, even our own sinful nature may not deceive us or mislead us into false belief, despair, or other great shame and vice. Although we are attacked by these things, even us Christians, although we are attacked by these things, we pray that we may finally overcome them and win the victory. We need God's protection as we wait for our King's return for us, as we wait for him to deliver us from evil. That's what's happening. This whole thing, from the time that Jesus ascended until the final day, this is all one big rescue mission. And God is spreading his saving grace uh, through his church, through people like you and me, as we share the hope that we have in Christ. And by his son, on that final day, our Father in heaven will rescue us from every evil of body, soul, possessions, and reputation. And when that last hour comes, he will give us a blessed end, and he will take us from this valley of sorrows to himself in heaven. And as we wait for our Savior's return, it is fitting to notice how he comes to us presently. We should know it, notice the current advent of our king. Remember, Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And we can see this most clearly when looking at how Jesus entered Jerusalem the week before his crucifixion. The scriptures draw us into the scene. It says, now when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethpage, to the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go into the village in front of you and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them both and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say the Lord needs them and he will send them at once. Now, Jesus is giving the disciples parts to play in his entrance into Jerusalem. These are minor roles, untying a donkey, bringing a donkey. But Jesus used the disciples to fulfill his scriptures. Jesus did not need to include the disciples, but he did. 
He wanted them to be a part of what he was doing. It was his work, but he included them. In the same way, Jesus includes the church in his current saving of the world. He uses us, and we all know how imperfect we are. We know all of our insecurities, all of our faults. Look at how he used Moses. Moses was like, I can't talk, I can't say anything. When we say stuff like that, we're not thinking about the one who's doing the work or the one who's actually doing the saving. We start looking at ourselves. And the truth is, he wants to use you to bring others to saving knowledge of him, to bring others to the washing waters of baptism. You think about it. God did not need me to save my son or daughter. But he used me and my wife to carry her to those waters. He doesn't need, he didn't need um, this man that I knew, uh, his wife. They were both in their 80s. He did not need his wife to bring that 80-year-old man, husband, to the waters of salvation, but he did. And at, I think it was 87, that man went through adult confirmation and was washed with water in the word. Jesus wants to include us in his current advent, the way in which he now comes to the world. In verse 5 of our gospel, we see the prophets of old describing the way that Jesus came, uh, came to us one week before his crucifixion and the way that he now comes to us. The scripture says, say to the daughter of Zion, this means this message is for the church. This message is for the children of promise. The promise that was given to Abraham and was passed down from generation to generation all the way to you. Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, is adventing to you. His message is a lot like Paul's message to us. The hour has come. Wake from your sleep. Jesus is coming. His advent is near. He's not only coming on that final advent. Behold, he comes to you today. Not in the power and glory that we will see on that final day, but rather he comes to you humble, mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. The prophet shows us that our king, the greatest king of all, comes to us in the most unexpected ways. Only the eyes of faith can recognize the ways in which our king comes to us. One week before Jesus' sacrifice for our sins, he came to the children of faith speaking peace. Though he was the king, the king of the universe, he came disguised as a servant. 
he comes to us in those same masked ways. He comes to you in the humble and hidden forms of bread and wine, by which to you he gives to you his very body and blood for your forgiveness. He disguises himself in words of absolution spoken by a fellow sinner. And he humbly offers himself to us in waters of holy baptism. He knows who he is. He knows who he is. And he's not seeking approval or adoration from us. He has not come to impress us. All authority in heaven and on earth are his. And he uses that authority to serve the likes of you. It's amazing. As we gather in this small church building, our King's advent is here. He comes to us. As Jesus approached Jerusalem, God's children, most of the crowd, they spread their cloaks on the road. Others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before him and followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Do you recognize that? It's what we often sing before the bread and wine are consecrated and Jesus enters our midst with his very body and blood. At the coming of his physical presence, we sing Hosanna in the highest. For we know that he is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. We, like those who saw Jesus, who saw Jesus in his humble form, we recognize him for who he is. He is our king. And on that final day, everyone, every knee shall bow in heaven and on the earth and under the earth. And they will say that Jesus is Lord. They will recognize him as king. But our king will not recognize everyone as members of his kingdom. He will only recognize those who recognize him today in his disguised and humble form. He will only recognize those who see him in his humility and mercy. He will only recognize those who clothe themselves in his mercy that he brings. St. Paul tells all believers, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. We put on Jesus whenever we hear his word, whenever we confess our sins and remember his mighty work done for us on Calvary, applied to us in the waters of baptism. Remember, you, I'm not saying that you will never sin. Our baptism indicates that the old Adam in us 
should by daily contrition and repentance be drowned and die, along with sins and all evil desires. Every day we prepare for the advent of our King. We stand in front of him and we say, I have sinned. Thank you for coming to me still. Wash me again with words of renewal. Feed me once again with food that endures to everlasting life. Take away this fleeting food, the pleasures of the day. Paul wrote to early Christians saying, you know the time and the hour has come for you to wake from sleep. Salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. Our King is coming. Our King comes to us this morning. And we pray, stir up your power, O Lord, and come. That by your protection, we may be rescued from the threatening perils of our sins and saved by your mighty deliverance. Amen.